Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Today, we have a very special guest and this is a new sort of series that we're gonna be starting with episodes ending in four. So this is episode 104. And we're gonna be talking about really like living the dream as an entrepreneur. And, you know, living the dream as an entrepreneur is having a dream team of five-star employees and that give you the ability to have the freedom to go and do other things because as entrepreneurs, we definitely are visionary type people and we, we see things from a different perspective. And most of us um, are not single business owners and, and we've got multiple businesses under our belt. And so today I am so excited to have Tracy Jepson with us. Uh, Tracy is a mastery level certified profit first professional and um, is has has her, her her bookkeeping service and also recently founded and started Flying Fish. It's in Scuba Center in Topeka, Kansas. And we got connected about this topic is because we were kind of going back and forth on on Messenger and she sent me an article about her new scuba school and indoor aquatic center. And she said, so I tell people I'm an accountant with a side gig as a mermaid. Had I not finally built a team for the accounting side, I'd never have the time to do this. So welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thank you, Danielle. I'm so excited to be here with you. So was it a lifelong dream to be a mermaid? You know, I can actually say that it probably was. Um, When I was really young, I would go visit my aunt down in Texas and there was this uh, there was this aquatic event center down there, and there was this Ralph the Swimming Pig. You know, it sounds really crazy. <laughs> if you're in the San Marcos area, you probably remember this from the early 90s. And they had actually had mermaids in this tank where this Ralph the Swimming Pig would be. And I was always so fascinated and of how they did it. This actually has zero connection to me opening up the scuba diving shop. Um, but I guess I, I could probably take my desire to be in the water all the way back to then. So, I mean, a little bit. That is awesome. So let's kind of back this up a bit and, you know, talk about kind of your core business and what you needed to do and how that business has evolved over the years. Because when we first met, like probably three or four years ago, you were really kind of a solopreneur at the time. 
Yeah, so I started my career working full-time um, in corporate and for nonprofits. And then my husband and I went through the process of getting out of debt. And sort of in that time, I was able to leave my full-time job and start my accounting practice and consulting firm. So my consulting firm was what I was doing actually when you and I met and was doing kind of bookkeeping as well as teaching small business owners how to be profitable using Profit First. And kind of through that time, just my clientele grew. The um, advancement of my business kind of increased to, again, really focusing on sort of advisory services. Still, the bookkeeping was going great, um, but the business boomed. And honestly, I had so many clients that the business got overwhelming and I just wasn't really sure what the next step looked like. It actually became frustrating. I was super profitable, um, but I was really, really busy. Um, and then since that time, I have actually opened a couple of other businesses. So I brought on a team, and I know that's what we're going to talk about, and I opened up Cantex Financial, and Cantex Financial is now the bookkeeping side of the business, and I kind of keep my private advisory over still um, for myself. We still do private advisory through Cantex, but it's just a little bit different. I do more personal finance um, type things for small business owners, really still on my own, and then was able to open up the dive shop this past December. Amazing. So let's talk about, and I, I, I remember this time, if you don't mind me sharing a little bit, but you know, it was like you, you did become so successful and you had so much and you're such a server to people that it was overwhelming to the point of, you know, like, what have you created here? Um, because there's, there was only one of you really at the time. So let's talk about, you know, how and why you spun off the Cantex and the bookkeeping services side and what you have gone through to build that team and how does that business run today? Yeah, it was really amazing. I I mean, working with so many business owners across the country, I would hear their struggles and I would tell them, you need to hire someone. You need to be able to outsource certain tasks in your businesses. You can't be everything to everyone inside of your business. We are not built that way, and we are not intended to do that. And as I was giving this advice to my clients, I was not taking any of it for myself. <laughs> Isn't that always kind of the typical way of how business owners so run? So true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I think it was really even one of the times where we were together and kind of in our little mastermind group. And it really dawned on me that I need to be able to start divvying out my work, making sure that I'm not doing things that aren't in my lane, being able to delegate tasks and honestly giving up what it felt like at the time was control or the knowledge of everything that was going on in the business. I didn't want to give that feeling up. And I felt like if I started to delegate something or hire someone that I wouldn't know what was going on and that my customers would be upset that they were working with someone else. I was completely wrong in all of that. And it really just took kind of taking the leap to initially I hired an assistant, just somebody to read my email, somebody to make sure that we were getting back to clients and that everyone's voice was being heard. That was sort of my initial first step in growing the team. And when you brought on that assistant, let's let's kind of talk about it. Was that person working part-time, full-time, were they remote? Yep, she was working part-time. So all of my clients are remote. So while I'm based in Topeka, Kansas, we work with clients all across the country. I think we have clients in nearly every state. And she was based in North Carolina. And when I hired her, I will tell you, I kind of just threw a dart at a wall, found somebody that was interested in a job and hired her. 
also not the best way to hire someone, um, as we've learned. Um, but it was somebody who, she was a warm body at the time. She was helping. She wanted to learn. Um, and it really was a good experience to know what I needed to do in my next hire, what to do a little bit differently, and what skills that I actually needed brought on. So at the time, I didn't really need an assistant. I mean, I probably did, but not immediately. I really needed somebody else who could actually work in the business and who could take on part of the bookkeeping role and somebody who really understood accounting. That was the hire I should have made. And ultimately, that ended up being my second hire. And that was three and a half years ago. And that team member is actually still with me. And she is such a rock star, like absolutely like A plus player. So let's let's kind of talk about this. So the part of the business, um, and I think that this is also very common with entrepreneurs. You know, we we want to control everything because we want everything to be so perfect for our clients. And we have this vision and we usually get into business and we start a business because we're like, okay, I see how everyone else is doing it and I can totally do it better. And so when you did give it to this person, your second hire, would you say that they were better than you or as good as you? Like, how were you able to kind of give that control up to that individual? And what's the result in the kind of person that you were looking for and the kind of person that they are? Yeah, so I needed somebody who was a real worker bee. I am a very forward-facing person. I like to have meetings with clients. I like to talk to clients. I know that the conversations that I have with clients are why people work with us. I know it is the advisory portion that is honestly what makes us money. Yes, we give people fantastic financials, and yes, we take care of their numbers, but at the end of the day, they are not calling me about their P&L. They're calling me and asking me how they can make payroll. They're calling me and asking me how they can take their spouse on vacation. Those are the conversations that I wanted to have, and I didn't need to be the one taking care of their numbers. I just needed to be able to see them and understand them in order to be able to help them. So I needed somebody who wanted to be in the background and who was an excellent detail-oriented person, somebody who I knew was going to cross all the T's and dot all of the I's and make sure that their books were fantastic. So I actually sourced through all of my accounting groups that I'm a part of and was given a couple of recommendations for people who had interns on their staff, but they couldn't actually afford to pay them. So I would interview them. Um, and the one that really stuck out was the one that we ended up hiring. We put her through testing. Um, I had several conversations with her. She needed a remote position. I mean, really, she was the absolute ideal candidate, and she still performs at such a high level, but has no interest in being, you know, sort of the front-facing. She doesn't do a whole lot of client interaction because she doesn't have to. She just loves the head-down kind of grinding work that drives me absolutely crazy. So giving that up to her actually wasn't difficult at all. I was able to then serve more people and serve people in a better way because I wasn't tied down in the details where I am not good at. I mean, I'm great with bookkeeping, but I don't enjoy my time um, kind of in minutiae the way that she does. She absolutely thrives in that area. So it was actually a huge balance that we created. Um, she would knock out the numbers. I would have the advisory calls and we were able to immediately start scaling the business with just the addition of the one person. So I love the idea that you reached out and I'm sure it was on Facebook since you're big on Facebook. Um, but sourcing out referrals from groups of people that you know. Now, were you looking specifically for an intern or an entry level person? 
Um, Not necessarily. I was willing to bring on any level. I mean, I knew what I was willing to sort of pay for the position. And to me, it didn't matter if they had 20 years experience or two weeks as long as they could do the work. So I don't really think that, you know, I think experience is wonderful, but it's not necessarily experience that is going to find you the person that you need. I needed somebody that I could connect with, that I liked working with, that I wanted to be able to teach and guide, and honestly, somebody who was willing to learn. I almost even like people that have less experience because they don't have bad habits and they are willing to learn a new way without saying, oh, but we did this at XYZ Company or, oh, this is how we used to do it. I'm not a huge fan of, of bringing people like that on in the company. I want them to really own their role and be able to feel like they have a choice in their learning or how we do things and somebody who's really willing to kind of be all in on what we're doing and not try to, you know, always go backwards of, you know, something that maybe wasn't working at another place. Right. So, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I really like recruiting and hiring entry-level people um, who have the aptitudes and have the qualities of a five-star employee, but don't necessarily have that firsthand experience so that we can like train them from a blank slate and really get them to do it the way that we want to do it. And it sounds like that ended up being the case with you. But, you know, I want to just kind of go back a little bit and say that, you know, when you hired the assistant who was going through and helping you read your emails and respond to people, you know, I mean, was it your like, most important first hire? No, but I think it was the perfect first step for you, you know? And and so anything that you do, and, and this is kind of lessons for, for the audience, is, I mean, get something off your plate. Get something off your plate. And that was probably the easiest thing to get off your plate because it wouldn't require that much training, this, that, the other, versus bringing on who, what was your second hire, someone to take over you know, doing the, 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 the actual bookkeeping services. Would, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And what was really interesting, I think my biggest challenge mentally was thinking that my clients needed me. And they didn't need me. They just needed communicated with. And I think I was stuck in this major ego land of, oh, my, my clients only want to talk to me. They aren't going to answer questions from other people on my team. They, they know me as a solo entrepreneur. They don't understand that, you know, other people are going to be interacting with them. So I actually let that assistant go a couple of months after I had hired her because I realized it just wasn't a good fit. Like while I did need that position, it wasn't a great fit. But I did something, and I think I've told you this, Danielle, is like I kept her email in the background and I would respond to emails as her. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And so I had this, what was considered really a fake assistant for a long time. Mostly just it got me over my ego of realizing that people started emailing her instead of emailing me because they knew that she responded very quickly. So I was still the one responding, but they thought it was coming from her. And then that's when I realized this has nothing to do with me. They just want the communication. They just need to be kept up to date on what's going on. And it was a huge shift for me. And at that point, I was willing to go out, find another assistant who was going to be great and continue to expand the bookkeeping side of the team. But, you know, like I, it's it making that first move, making that first hire. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Like you, you, you learn from every, every experience. Now, you know, just a real quick something about those emails and especially those like critical point of contact emails. I mean, I have employees who've been with me like for five, seven, six, eight years, nine years, whatever. But, you know, in certain roles and in those like kind of high, high touch, high communication type 
roles. Um, we have honestly generic email addresses for those. And that also helps too, especially when someone's out of town, because then we're just like able to you know, forward those emails to the person that's covering those emails. But we use accounting at supplypatriot.com. We use contracts at supplypatriot.com. So that's another option too, you know, when you're making this transition, if you don't want to be transparent, if there's turnover and such, is to maybe use generic email addresses that anyone could really be the one responding to those. Um, okay, so so now we've gotten two hires. What was your next hire after that um, individual that was taking over doing the numbers for you? Yeah, so my next hire after that was actually a referral from the bookkeeper that I had hired. So she had worked at a place with this, um, she was interning at a firm with another gal who, again, wanted to be remote. She had let me know that her friend was interested in a position if we had one available. So now my amazing rock star employee was telling me about somebody else who she loves to work with who wanted to come work for us because she said their prior um, organization was really disorganized. So I interviewed her and she came on um, kind of as a part-time bookkeeper, but really more of, again, kind of a data miner. She covers all of our receipts. She makes sure that all of the clients have um, all of their W-9s and making sure that, you know, just all of the details are checked that go along with the bookkeeping while she actually began to learn bookkeeping. So she came on in a very entry-level role as well and has been with me for a couple of years. Absolutely fantastic. I think that referrals from existing amazing clients or amazing team members make really, really great next hires um, because they have a already an easy working relationship together. They know each other. They know kind of how to bang things off of one another. And I really enjoyed that. So she was our next hire um, immediately after after our first bookkeeper. So kind of from there, at that point, the bookkeeping was covered. And then I realized that my role of actually meeting with clients was where my stress point was. So we, I had brought on a couple of really large clients who needed a lot more FaceTime than just sort of our once a month standard for normal clients that I had people that wanted to meet on a weekly basis. And these were large contracts. I mean, $10,000, $15,000 a month kind of contracts. So I actually sought out a contractor to do some of the higher level um, advisory work kind of on my behalf, knowing, and the, and the client knew that this um, individual was coming on board and was going to be helping out with just their account specifically. Well, I realized that he was also an incredible team member. And I kept telling him, he actually owned an accounting practice. And I kept telling him, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you out of your business and have you come work for me full time. And he kept arguing with me, telling me that he was never going to do that and that I wasn't going to be able to hire him. So I just kept telling him this, and we went back and forth for this about for six months. And finally, he sends me a text one day and says, are you actually serious about this full-time work? And I said, well, yeah. Apparently, his growing his accounting practice wasn't going the way that he had hoped, and he could see how successful this one was. So we actually met in person. So again, all my all my team is remote. We've, we all do Zoom and Google Meets every day. Um, I always say that we were doing Zoom before it was cool, but, you know, that's just the way we have always done work. And we met and uh, had a long conversation, and he just told me, like, his real desire to be a business owner. And I could tell that he had a real passion for that, but I also knew that if I was going to continue to expand and also expand myself to where I didn't have to work and I could take four-week vacations and I could really kind of pick and choose the clients that I wanted to work with while still bringing in and growing my my income and my revenue— I needed to kind of shift my thought of 
the thought of my business. And we decided to open up a business together. And I am not generally a big fan of partnerships. Um, but this one, we've had it going for over a year now. And it has been super successful. We have tripled revenue. Um, we have tripled, tripled profits. Like It's been an amazing one year. Um, I'm very excited to see where it's going. But ultimately, I knew that if I needed to, if I was going to be able to grow the practice the way that I wanted it to and have the freedom that I wanted to, I needed somebody that was truly all in. And sometimes employees aren't going to be the ones who are going to be all in. And having that extra owner really was um, the way to do it for me. That's awesome. So, you know, I mean, this has really been an evolution, too, of like things that you need to get off your plate. And, you know, you really kind of started with like the easiest stuff to get off your plate. And then you progressed to getting the numbers off your plate. And then it became your favorite part of the business became overwhelming as you were growing and scaling because there still is only one Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously she had a desire deep down to be a part-time mermaid. So let's talk about, I guess, where are we now in terms of that transition to opening up um, Flying Fish? Yeah. And so this kind of also really came out of the middle of nowhere. I, I've always gone about 12,000 miles an hour in my life and in businesses. I have a huge passion for entrepreneurship and working with so many different business owners. I feel like I, I have it down pretty well. And so once I got to the point where I really got to pick and choose sort of when I worked and when I didn't and who I was working with, I knew that I now had capacity to do something else. And it all started with a, a little planned trip down to Cozumel for Thanksgiving. We had some friends that we were going with and everyone was going to be diving except for me, um, me and my husband. So I wanted to get certified. And when I got certified, it was done about an hour and a half away from home in Kansas City. And I just kept asking, why don't we have this in Topeka? Why don't we have nice things? And I was at this gorgeous facility with an indoor pool. And it was wonderful. The people there were just amazing. And I thought, I can do this. How hard could this be? <laughs> right? So the girl who knows almost nothing about scuba, barely certified, uh, we had a conversation. Um, so my new business partner and I had a conversation one evening. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to open a dive shop as well. But I was thinking it was going to be in retirement in Mexico, not in Topeka. And we had the idea like September 1st, and our doors opened December 1st for our retail space. And we announced the um, acquisition of some land for our aquatic center that we're going to be building about 30 days later. I mean, you're going 20,000 miles an hour on this, not 12,000 miles an hour. So that is, that's just awesome. So tell us a little bit about like flying fish and and what you do and 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 what's going on there. Yeah, so our our mission really is education around water. So scuba is amazing and that is always going to be probably like the passion behind this, but the point of opening the aquatic center is we really want to be able to hold classes for not only swimming and aerobics and sort of the standard, what you would consider in a pool, but we, we really want to get involved with a number of nonprofits. There's some really cool ones out there. Um, Black Girl Scuba is one of the ones that I have a huge passion for. And the location that we chose in our town is definitely in a community that can benefit from some of those grant programs. And we also want to work a lot with different military programs. They use scuba for um, PTSD on a lot of soldiers and um, veterans that have come back from war. It's something that is so peaceful and so quiet. In fact, it's actually what made me sort of fall in love with it to begin with. Um, just, you know, running 20,000 miles all the time, when you can actually get your mind to be quiet and feel calm, 
as an entrepreneur, it is probably the coolest thing in the world. So we want to be able to give people sort of those capacities, use it for different training and education around people who may not be familiar with, um, you know, swim lessons or scuba. So we're going to have a variety of different things that we can offer. Right now, we're sort of in a temporary retail space where I've got my little, what I'm calling a beach boutique. So again, we are in the middle of Kansas, um, one of the no-coast states, and we sell all kinds of fun like coolers and salt life gear and some other, you know, kind of things that you could use at the lake or ponds and um, any kind of travel that people do, swimsuits, etc. So we've got that going. And then we are renting a space for all of our scuba programming as well as running travel. So we've got a trip um, to Cozumel with about 20 people that we've got in April. We are just getting ready to announce a trip to the Maldives in January of 23. So we've got a lot on our plate. And um, it's nice that I, I have a business partner in this venture um, who can also keep up with my speed of decision making. So it's a really nice balance as well. So kind of like I've got the one in the accounting side, he's very different than me. This one's probably a little more similar and can sort of keep up with my decision making. Um, it's just been a really fun and exciting um, adventure. That is awesome. Well, um, what would be your biggest sort of piece of advice to a profit first entrepreneur who um, is just kind of at this point of wanting to scale their business and build their dream team? Yeah, hire before you think you're ready. So start planning for the hire even before you're ready to make it. We opened up a um, we opened up an account so I could start paying in what I was willing to pay um, my first assistant at the time into an account. And once I realized that I could afford it, I used that to to pay her first several paychecks out of that, and then obviously the the revenue supported it afterwards. Um, but start planning for it. So even if you think you don't want to hire somebody for a year or hire someone for six months, start just putting that money aside and just testing the theory. I think this is one that Mike talks about a lot as well. But making sure that one, the revenue can support it, and just giving up that that little bit of control or that control that you think you need, you will be amazed how freeing that first hire, even if it's not your right hire, even if it's not the right person or the right position, getting something off of your plate and starting to feel the freedom of delegation, um, it's going to feel a lot less like giving up control and a whole lot more like freedom than you'll imagine. That's brilliant. So, you know, I mean, you definitely have your owner's pay account. And as you're looking to start employees, you know, I mean, when in doubt, add an account. So when you're thinking of starting employees, just get that payroll account going and start allocating a percentage to that payroll account, like Tracy talks about, like we've talked about on prior episodes, because, you know, you'll eventually start having a payroll and you'll be, you know, having the payroll company pull out of that payroll account. And, you know, just from a logistical standpoint, you when you do have payroll and you have a payroll account in your allocations, you still allocate to owner's pay, but you, after you allocate to owner's pay, you just sweep that money into the payroll account so that the payroll company can then just pull the entire cash requirements from that payroll account to make payday happen, right? Yep. No, that's correct. And and really, when you start to think about it, you and you're looking and saying, oh, I can't afford this. It's also a really good time for an expense review. What could you get rid of in order to bring that person on? Or would it take just one more client if you're in a service-based business to pay that um, pay that next person? That was kind of the advice that somebody gave me when I hired um, a cleaning person for my house. They're like, get the next client, and that becomes your cleaning um, your cleaning crew client. And that client, all they pay for, 
you know, is the cleaning of your home. <laughs> so you can you can kind of think of it that way too. But yeah, definitely open up additional accounts as soon as you even think that you want to be able to scale your team. And it is just, again, such a freeing feeling because then you can go off and, and explore your passions, even maybe ones that you didn't know that you had. Thank you so much, Tracy, for sharing your evolution into becoming, I think, almost like a full-time mermaid here. Um, but how can people, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or to sign up for the Maldives? Oh, definitely. Oh, so they can go to flyingfishdivers.com or they can find us at Flying Fish Divers on Facebook to learn about any of our consulting or the work that we do um, with Profit First and small business owners across the country. You can find me at tracyjepson.com and um, also at TJ, TLJ Consulting on Facebook. So we're on both of those places. But yes, we will have our Maldives announcement coming very soon and anybody across the world can go on that trip. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to work with a certified Profit First professional bookkeeper, accountant, or coach, then visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact to connect with one of our fellow Profit First professional peeps. And don't forget, we do have visual recaps for every episode, including this episode. So you'll have Tracy's contact information and such as well. And that is again at ProfitFirstNation.com and click on resources. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.